everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome on in for another episode of Great Quarter Gals. I'm Kaylee Nix and this is our show where we talk to you amazing women doing amazing things in the freight and logistics space. Joining me is one of those amazing women, my co-host Grace Sharkey. Grace, it's Tuesday. We are looking at a short week next week with Memorial Day weekend. How's it going so far on this Tuesday? Oh, well, that fact has just been getting me motivated and ready to roll this week. I need some lake time. I need some sun time. I need to get in this kayak and I need to get a uh, move in ASAP. No, uh, it's, it's, this is like one of my favorite times of the year. You know, it's uh, clearly beautiful outside, but the energy in the industry is booming, positive or not. Or I guess you can get into that later, but it's, uh, it's, it's great. I'm I'm doing really good. And and we've had a couple of weeks without hanging out with each other. So I'm even more pumped that I get to talk with you and do an episode with you today. Yeah, we've been back and forth a couple of weeks. And there's something that hits different about like going into a holiday weekend, knowing that Monday is the day off instead of Friday being the day off. I don't know. And just like like it feels it feels a little better. But yeah, I was I was sick last week. You were traveling. We've been back and forth at Matt. So it's been a while since we've had the chance to sit down and to dig into some of the news about the industry. And of course, for today, we have an awesome guest with us. Cody Griggs from CH Robinson will be joining us in just a little bit. But as always, let's start off with some of that news. And all of it's very much labor focused today, which I think is really, really interesting. Starting off with some statistics about women in the workforce coming from a Bloomberg article talking about how women ages 25 through 54, which is a really big age range, that's like 30 years, 77.5% yeah. working participation rate. This is its highest rate of women in the workforce since the early 2000s. Yeah, I, I hate women. We're working. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm happy to see that. Uh, no, it's kind of unfortunate as this article does break down maybe the uh, negative aspects of the economy and where we are as like a country right now that has them going back into work. But uh, when we talk about like leadership, right, and kind of like uh, equity over time, it is positive as we bring more women into uh, the workforce, right, then hopefully we'll see them uh, uh, start to mature in their careers and take on uh, some of those bigger roles over time as well. So uh, I'm happy about it and uh, excited to see that I think that that hasn't been that uh, we haven't participated in the economy at, through jobs at this level since 2000, uh, which it's, it seems like yesterday, but it really wasn't. It was just the other day. So excited to see, uh, of course, that growth and, and have it uh, be now and we need more women in, in all industries. Something that I think that's really fascinating that this Bloomberg article touches on is the fact that the United States in particular has a declining birth rate. And we know that oftentimes motherhood is one of those things that keeps women out of the workforce, especially in those more traditionally career demanding kind of non like, like your typical nine to five work hours. You're away from the kids, you know, have to get friend child care. That's really something that keeps a lot of women out of the workforce. But we're seeing this declining birth rate. We are seeing now more women choosing to focus on their careers and focus on building themselves out in the workforce before starting a family or on the ne very negative flip side of that, choosing to build a career because they genuinely cannot afford to start thinking about starting a family if they don't have that career already lined up and that money saved, right? What do you think that this kind yeah. of tells us about now the future of our workforce? Obviously, that means that we're going to be seeing a kind of older age for mothers and for motherhood and maybe kind of this downhill effect that we're not really anticipating. Yeah, I mean, 
myself, I've, I'm going to throw myself in that group because it's it's the last thing on my mind. It not even I don't even want to consider the budget aspect of it like that. We could keep that in the back. But like uh, it just even as a step in, in my life or what I'm focused on, it's just it's not a priority right now. And I, I know there's a lot of women who feel that way. And uh, it's interesting that I kind of look at like Japan, right, is kind of having the same problem. And they got to a point where they've start subsidizing uh women and couples getting married and having kids and i'm wondering if we will get to that point i mean we we talked what was it not f3 right a big topic in f3 now we're going to go kind of in a different labor hole was that our workforce right is 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 not where it should be for the economy that we built and so of course i think the women right will be able to participate and be a part of that. I think for every available job right now, it's uh, it's one like a one point six uh, ratio. So we can all get a job and a half, and we finally be able to cover everything that's available in our economy. So with all the issues of what we're going to do in terms of uh, immigration and and that, uh, you know, this is a time for women to really get out there and take advantage of this really opportune environment for us to join the workforce and and build really strong careers in it as well. That seamlessly transitions into the next article that I want to talk about, which was a survey done by Indeed.com, of course, the job-seeking and hiring platform that talks about stay-at-home moms and the skills that they have that are very transferable coming into the workplace, but oftentimes that are overlooked when they talk about either leaving a career and jumping back into one or becoming a mom first and then looking to build a career second. A lot of times, and this is wrongly perceived, People think that becoming a stay-at-home mom is a break, right? Or it's you're taking the easy way out and you get to stay at home with a baby. But this is truly a full-time job. There's a study that cites that most stay-at-home moms work on average between 13 and 15 hours out of their day if you were to translate that into like an office job, right? You're almost looking at doubling the amount of work that they do if they had been taking what they were doing and putting it into an office setting. You're talking about things like uh, budget balancing, like planning and scheduling, like household management, all of that very much easily transferred into an office setting but very much overlooked, right? Almost all, which was 93% of women that were surveyed by Indeed, said that they'd experienced or anticipated experiencing challenges coming back because of their decision to stay at home. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. And I think what people look at is the reason maybe for the concern is like, uh, if, if something happens to the child, right, then who's who comes priority first, uh, your child or the job? And that right there is the sentiment that we've always been pushing is that that's an, uh, an erroneous decision for anyone to make it. I would mm-hmm. hope all of my employees chose their families over a job. I mean, at some point, uh, are you crazy? For are you? Uh, do you care about your family? I hope to God, yes. So um, I think that, again, with the amount of available jobs for women, I think that leaders are going to become a little bit more flexible. Um, and hopefully we see even increases in kind of that work-life balance, working remote, uh, available child support, and seeing more and more of that inside offices, um, if not like a leisure place for women to go to to uh, pump or to breastfeed as well. That stuff, I think, is very little overhead, very simple, and goes a long way when it comes to even recruiting women and, and retaining them over time, right? I mean, that's a benefit to be able to say, hey, 
you know, as, if maybe I'm thinking of switching opportunities, well, this opportunity allows me to be a mother and feel equal in my motherhood and my my work. So, um, yeah, it's really upsetting to hear that, but I think hopefully we see some movement with the available jobs that are out there today. And on that note, one final thing. Employers, talk to your dads about how much they value their family. And dads, if your first choice isn't yeah. your family, step it up. Step it up. Yeah. And like to back that up, like paternity leave is uh, becoming an even bigger, right? Like making sure that it's not like, hey, see you back in the office on Monday type of situation. It's go home and enjoy the family. Carry the l- luggage with your uh, significant other, right? And I mean, we can even go into that too, the the what is a, uh, a modern family and how that's going to change a lot of it as well. So yeah, times are changing and, and at least happy to see in this work environment, we're participating in this group at 77%. <laughs> and go for us prioritizing our career and also the lives of our pets. That's a song for another time, our, our dissection of the modern family and the modern working woman. And we don't have the time to get into that right now. But let's go ahead and bring in our guest for today because we do have plenty of time to talk to her. We're welcoming in Cody Griggs, who is a director of product management over at C.H. Robinson. C.H. Robinson, one of the nation's largest brokerages and has been for quite some time. And Cody, we are so glad to welcome you onto the show because I love having female representation at a brokerage, right? And especially in a high-level director role, it's awesome. So welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your role at C.H. Robinson and where you fit in the company. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been at Robinson for 19 years, so I've been here my whole career. Um, I wanted so badly to unmute myself when you guys are going over that article because like, I have a mom, I have two kids. I felt deep in my soul everything that you were talking about. Uh, but so, so yeah, I've been at Robinson for 19 years and I lead our carrier technology platform. So our Navisphere carrier website, mobile apps. And, uh, you know, I've spent a long career here working up through the ranks and, and doing all kinds of stuff, but have spent the last couple of years in, in the carrier space. Well, I love that we get to talk about tech and C.H. Robinson because this is a, a big deal and you guys have been very vocal about huge investments uh, with the B word, right? Billions in there. And so your role is is pretty interesting, I think, especially for the long-term uh, effect of C.H. Robinson as well. Can you tell us about how you view the role of technology, especially in the brokerage space and dealing with carriers, right, and in, in this type of market that we're seeing today, yeah, it's it's wild. And, you know, I like I said, I've been at Robinson my whole career, and you know, a lot of people don't recognize that we've been in the tech space for a really long time, right? So we've been around for almost 150 years. We actually combined all of our tech onto a single platform in 2011, which was before a lot of people even knew that freight tech was a thing. Uh, and so we we do take it very seriously. We think that that is a huge part of our advantage is our advancements in technology, our scale, the amount of freight that we can offer to our carrier partners, the amount of carrier partners we can offer to our shipper partners. And, and the only way to bring that together is through the, all of the proprietary tech that we, like you said, have spent a significant amount of investment on uh, over the last couple of years. So, you know, specifically in the carrier space, we've been really really leaning hard into that, you know, I would say over the last five years or so, um, with the last couple of years, the huge influx of owner operators that we saw, the wild swings in this marketplace, you know, we've been able to be really, really agile and responding to what's going on in the market. 
um, responding to the demands of our customers as those have shifted as supply chains are disrupted. Uh, and then as you know, as recently as in the last month or so, rolling out an update to our loyalty program where we're offering really high quality carriers, better access to freight, better access to payment terms, because we know it's really, really hard out there. And the whatever we can do to help make their businesses better and make their businesses stronger uh, is better for all of us in the long run. I think that it's so almost refreshing to hear that from you guys, because sometimes there's this kind of a thought process that, okay, maybe I'm a little scared to work with a larger legacy broker like Robinson, right? Because when it comes to time to change, you guys are a big ship, you're a massive operation, and it can be kind of People can be fearful to work with you guys. It can be hard to know if you're going to be able to steer that ship, right, and adapt to the changes. So that agility, that nimbleness is very, very important when it comes to growing and maintaining those relationships. Through the last kind of three to four years now, it's it's wild that like we're already talking about COVID in a three to four years in the past <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> but through these last kind of couple market up and down swings, last three to four years, what have been some of those things that you guys have really had to navigate around? Obviously, the major market upswings and the downswings, last year's big time freight recession. Are we still talking the R word? I don't know. But specifically with that, and when it comes to carriers, what has been kind of their biggest challenges and how have you guys had to adapt to that? Yeah, it's a really great question and observation, really. You know, the last 12 to 18 months have been some of the most challenging just to, for small carriers to find freight. And I think it, not just that, not just like the availability of loads, which is a, a critical problem, but also the pricing of those loads and then how many brokers they're having to shop to just find something that works for them. And so that's something that we've really tried to be really easy for a carrier to engage with and find freight from. So we're publishing more loads on the web, on our proprietary website, mobile app, we're pricing more freight. We're adding features that carriers are asking for. So, you know, about a year ago, we added in digital negotiation, which is something that we never did before. Um, you know, we would have kind of a static price. And, but as so many carriers were saying, like, I really want this load, but I want to negotiate with you. And I love working with your people, but your people aren't online at 3 a.m. when I need them to be. So can you build us some tech that helps us with this? So we spend a lot of time talking to carriers, understanding what they need, understanding what's going to make their lives easier, and then building it to make sure that we are the broker of choice for owner operators and large carriers alike. And to Kaylee's point too, right, we're going through this like digital transformation as a full community. And what's really great is I think, you know, C.A. Travis, you've been here forever. You've laid the, the groundwork for a lot of that work and you've been in the tech space for so long. But we are starting to see different types of uh, tech start to come out. And I'm wondering from your point of view, how do you feel, how do you think about some of the, the more recent technological advancements when it comes to even like mitigating risk, fraud in the industry? And how do you see CCH working that into the tech that it has today? Yeah, you know, it, with, with all of the investments that we've made, we've really shifted ourselves into being a tech-first, product-led organization. So, you know, product was not something that existed at Robinson three years ago. Uh, it's a relatively new thing that we've started to practice. And I think it has changed everything about how we prioritize the work that we're doing, how quickly we can deliver on features. You know, you mentioned fraud. As an industry, we saw a massive spike in that. What back half of last year seems like it was around October ish. Things started getting really crazy, uh, and because of the way that we structured ourselves, now we were able to pivot resources onto that super quick 
start to lock things down, start to get more disciplined about who's coming into our network, who's buying from us, how we're helping to control and control our customers' risk exposure. Um, and really, it has a lot to do with the way that we've been evolving and changing over the last couple of years, just internally at Robinson and how how we allocate all of these technical resources that we have towards the right stuff that really matters for our customers. I love that point. It's it's about being selective with who you choose to let into your network, right? And when you get to a point where you are a legacy broker like Robinson, you have that ability to very much be choosy and curate your network into something that is supportive, not only for your business, but also for the people who you are serving for your carriers and for your shippers, frankly, as well. What are some of those big time challenges when it comes to adding in, maybe even sometimes, sometimes having to subtract from your network? Not everybody's a good fit once they make it in, right? How do you guys go about navigating that? And is that also a part of technology where you're talking about using tech now to do some of this risk assessment and to get kind of a better grasp on who's who's trying to get into the C.H. Robinson Cool Club, right? <laughs> oh, I love that it's the Cool Club. I've never been a part of the Cool Club. <laughs> so, uh, well... With the, with the CAP program that I mentioned earlier, our, our updates to our carrier advantage program, that was a component of it, was we looked at you know, the way that we make those decisions is what are our customers, what are our customers asking? What do they want? And so, you know, one of the main things is shipment visibility. They want to know where their load is all the time, whenever they want to know it, which feels very reasonable. Um, and so we made some changes to our network to say, unless you're providing a certain level of visibility, we're going we're gonna to put the brakes on our relationship for 30 days. And you know we would love for you to come back and try again. These are the expectations that our customers have of us. So this is the expectation that we have of our carriers. Um, we don't think it's asking too much. We feel like it's an industry standard at this point. And so, yeah, we, we had a few carriers that were, we've exited and then they have an opportunity to come back uh, if they're able to, to meet the standard that we've set forth. So you know, so much of it is really based on we're, we are, you know, we sit in the middle of this relationship and we are representing what the customers are asking us to do to our capacity base and holding them to the same standard that we're being held to. And so a lot of that is just a lot of ongoing conversations with our carrier partners about what our customers want and how, and how we keep meeting that. And technology is a huge part of that. It's, it's a huge part of our ability to understand what's possible. Um, you know, from a visibility standpoint, we are, open and connecting and offering visibility solutions with so many ELD and GPS providers and aggregators and just to make sure that our customers' needs are being met. Um, but then on the flip side of that, it's making sure that our security protocols are in place so that people who um, you know, are trying to get in for not so positive reasons, for reasons to not provide a positive service to our customers, that they aren't able to get access to that break. You know, you really do have, I know around National uh, Truck Driver Appreciation Week, you, you guys do a lot of really great work. And so you're taking care of drivers, which is amazing. I also want to talk about inside your four walls, right? And for you yourself, being a woman in this industry, a leg working in legacy tech, right? Like that's absolutely incredible. And I think that nods towards the culture that's being driven, right? Can you tell us about what it is like uh, being a, a woman at C.H. Robinson and maybe how the company has set up uh, ways to to help women like yourself build such an incredible career in a space that, I mean, you had trucking and tech together. It's a heavily male dominated for sure. Right. <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, I, I, I'm really honored to be a member of our women's leadership networking circle. So we have a program here at Robinson 
that invites about 40-ish women every year to participate in a year-long leadership program. And it's super selective. It is high-performing. Um, and I was, I was I was able to participate it in 2015. And then I went on to be a coach in that program for three years. And it is it's just, it's such an amazing program and opportunity to see women early on in their career. You know, you were talking earlier about 77% of the workforce, you know, being made up, like 70% of women who were able to work were working. I think it was, that was the stat. Mm-hmm. And it really, it brought me back to like how important that leadership pipeline is. Like, it's really important to have representation at the top. That is absolutely critical. Nobody's going to look up at an all male board or executive suite and be like, yeah, that's possible for me. Uh, They need to see women in places of power, in places where decisions are being made. But at the same time, they have to be able to look around at their peer level and also see women and see women succeeding. And, you know, like, it's so important for me to be able to pass that message on to the women in Robinson to say, like, this is this possible. Um, I think one thing that my small group got really tired of hearing me say that I I say a lot is like, there is no shortcut for hard work. Like you just have to do the work. That's that's all there is to it. You do the work, you grind it out, and and you have women around you who are supporters and who are sponsoring you in rooms that you are not in, things will happen. But without doing the work, if you just expect to be drug along, it's not gonna that's not how this works. That's not gonna happen. Uh so I, you know, from a program standpoint, that's something that I participate in. I also just I love to mentor women, you know. To your point, we we have a lot more um, female representation on our commercial side of our business than we do on our capacity side of the business. And so I just love working with the women who are talking to truck drivers every day, who are on the front lines of some sometimes not fun conversations, uh, and just encouraging them. Like, it it gets better. This is a great place to be. Robinson is extremely supportive of women. Um, and, you know, how can I help make that happen? So I want to bring it full circle back to what we were talking about earlier. You mentioned that you are a mom yourself and you have spent now almost two decades in your career building through that, building through becoming a mom and seeing now raising your kids and into this position where you are in a director's spot now. It's a lot to deal with. And as you mentioned, it's that grind, it's that hard work. For women who are maybe in your circle, in your peer groups or in your mentor groups, what is like the one big piece of advice that you can give them if someone wants to focus not only on succeeding in their career, but succeeding in their personal life with families, friendship, whatever it might be to choose? How do they go about finding that balance? Oh, if if they find it, let me know. Uh, (laughs) I was... It's tough, too, because my husband also works and he's a teacher. So his job is like super inflexible, whereas mine uh, during the school year, mine's a little bit more flexible. Um, you know, I was ta- I was literally talking to somebody about this at lunch today. Like there are balls that I am dropping. Like I, there are balls that drop. I I am lucky enough to have to be in a good enough financial position that I pay somebody to clean my house. Would I like to do that? I would love to spend two hours alone in my home cleaning it as insane as that sounds. But I don't have that look like that time is time that I would rather spend with my family. And so, yeah, we've eaten out like five of the last nights. And that is not my favorite thing. But everybody is fed. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is happy. Nobody is losing their minds yet. So it's just like give yourself grace is I think the the big piece of advice here is not everything has to be perfect. And also these other women who you think are perfect and who have it all together and are juggling all of those balls in the air, they aren't either. Not, n- none of those appearances are real. Mm-hmm. Like it's all curated for your benefit, and and then you feel guilty about it, and that's not okay. So 
that's where like, and I have to tell my, I give myself this talk a lot of like, Cody, just let it go. Like, it's fine that your house is really, really dirty. It's fine. Nobody cares. Everybody's happy. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. I think that's the absolute best way to end it on that note. And Cody, thank you so much for your insights, for your advice. We appreciate it. Obviously, people can reach out just at CH Robinson, but if folks want to get with you directly, can they do that? Yes, absolutely. And I have to put in one more plug. So you were talking about moms returning to the workforce. There's this amazing organization called the Mom Project that helps moms who are re-entering the workforce after they've been at home for a while, thinking about going back to work. Um, and it helps them put their resume together and find roles that that you make use of those amazing skills. I know when I was on maternity leave, I became the most amazing prioritization person ever. Uh, and it served me really well when I came back to work. So huge props to the Mom Project. Totally recommend anybody who's trying to re-enter. Go check them out. Love that. Well, hey, Cody, thank you so much. Uh, we'll catch up soon, I'm sure, at the next events I see you at. And uh, I keep killing both being a mom and and leading freight tech, uh, one of our, I mean, favorite companies to report on as well. So thank you so much, Cody. Thank you so much, Kayleen Grace. Love it. And great way to end that talking about the mom project. So absolutely go check them out. Grace, thank you so much for being back in the saddle with us. We'll be back next week with Sarah Barnes Humphrey from Let's Talk Supply Chain. So that one's going to be super exciting. Where can the people find you, Grace? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Go over to LinkedIn, type in Grace Sharkey. Uh, join the squad. We'll keep you updated on everything we're doing. Check out my link tree and uh, call into the radio sometime too and chat. Uh, channel 146, Road Dog Radio. Thanks guys so much for being with us today for Great Quarter Gals. We'll see you all next Tuesday. One, two, three.